Welcome everyone to Invested, a limited series by Behind the Human and KPMG High Growth Ventures. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the minds of early stage investors to surface actionable insights for founders and startups to mentally and financially thrive. So I think there was just a lot of leaky bucket businesses, right? Um, and so, which they were doing well. And so it was just like, let's just put more money at the top. Let's do, let's hire more people. Let's have more innovation. Um, and I think now we have to go back to some of the fundamentals. Like, do we have a base that makes sense? Do we have a model that makes sense? Do we have a foundational team that can execute this? And then we can incrementally layer on innovations, new business units, new, um, you know, new geographies of, uh, et cetera. Today, I'm speaking with Jenny Fielding, the founder and managing partner of The Fund, a pre-seed fund operating out of the US, Australia, UK, and India. What lights you up about working with founders? (laughs) Just jump right into it. Um, You know, I was a founder. I started my first company in um, in 2007. It was a a pretty grim landscape here in New York City, um, which is ironic because now New York, you know, second biggest tech ecosystem. So much, you know, great stuff happening. But, you know, back then it was um, it was pretty desolate in the startup, the startup world. Um, And so I built my company really just having to figure everything out myself. And it was really hard. And I had to learn the lessons myself. There really wasn't mentors. There was no, you know, programs like Techstars and the like. So what really lights me up about working with startups is just, um, you know, being able to help them, you know, access like all the great resources and all the things that I didn't have as a founder. Right. And so I've really kind of dedicated my life as an investor to really being more of like a super mentor. Right. And so figuring out where the gaps and how, you know, can I help, um, you know, unlock something, you know, within um, a founding team or a founding relationship. Amazing. Well, let's let's level set a bit, just given the the current times that we're in, the, the market conditions. I mean, there's so many different words to describe what's going on, like unprecedented, you know, uh, market conditions and, and so forth. Some people are seeing it as well, especially for startups. You know, that there, there's an ability to act quite fast and with speed and so forth. So maybe there's there's things to leverage in this in this case. And, and for others, it's like a complete pivot or mental shift on how to operate in this environment. So just to try to keep it somewhat simple, if you think about just like what's going on right now and, and what what founders are, are faced with, is there one word that just comes to mind intuitively to describe the situation? I think it's uncertainty, right? For the last few years, we've been in such a bull you know, market. And there's been this kind of, oh, of course I can raise money every 12 months. Like everything has been this like given, right? If I hit this metric, of course this will happen, right? And so the uncertainty now is just so prevalent, um, you know, and that it, it really hits all parts of, you know, the startup stack, right? Can I actually hire world-class talent? Can I afford that talent? Can I raise money? Um, can I, you know, attract customers? What are my numbers going to look like? And all in each one of those, there's just so much uncertainty. So it's not necessarily all doom and gloom. There's a lot of bright spots and, you know, we can talk about, you know, some of the the good things that are happening, um, or, you know, some of the the stories that, that are actually positive, 
but you just don't know. And I feel yeah. like you know, running a startup is already an emotional roller coaster. Now add this kind of level of market uncertainty, and it's just a lot to deal with. At least yeah. those things felt like given. If, if I hit my numbers, if my team looks like this, you know, I know that there's that, you know, there's the money there that will help me do my job. Or I know that then I can, I'll, you know, I'll have the cash that I can attract this great team. Right now, all these things are just uncertain, um, yeah. you know, and customers being the big one, right? Everyone's having to revise their numbers. And so that's, that's another one, right? Customer appetite was just so, you know, um, the last few years, there's been so much customer appetite that you kind of knew if I did that, I was going to get this. And now you don't know. Yeah. Well, and just, I, I feel like uh, having been a founder as well, I mean, I obviously resonate with the uncertainty part. And this, I feel like is like almost the, the, the mental narrative would be for me, like really like this as this <laughs> on top of the already uncertain path, right? Yeah. Like, come on, let, let, can we cut yeah. a little bit of a break? Well, the thing is, though, I mean, again, I go back to my own journey. I started my company in 2007, and none of these things were certainties, right? I mean, especially around cash. Like, I mean, I didn't even really know what an angel investor was, a venture capitalist. Like, I started my business because I wanted to serve customers. And I always thought about building a cash flow positive business because I didn't really understand that there was like access to these other, you know, um, you know, these other ways to fund my business until I was running the company and I understood it more. But, you know, it's somewhat going back to those fundamentals, like let's yeah. not fool ourselves unnecessarily on external cash. Let's figure out how we can grow organically with customer cash. And if things are working, let's use cash to, to um, accelerate, but not sure. necessarily to start off and to, you know, at those early stages. So I think, you know, just the startup mentality has really changed um, because there's been a lot more availability of, of cash um, a lot more liquidity in the system. And so I think we're going back to some of those fundamentals, which were, you know, really how I started. So how are you seeing, how are you seeing those fundamentals kind of show up again? Or I guess maybe a, a better way to word that, like what conversations are you having with your portfolio founders to help them, I guess, shift, you know, the mindset around what it was and what it's, it's shaping up to be. And, and obviously you're, you're a great example given your, your, you know, your history to, to help in this situation. Yeah, well, I think, you know, this idea of cash flow positive <laughs> was kind of like a, a dirty word, right? Like we want to be self-sustaining was something that you could never, I mean, I would even coach my founders like, no, 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 don't, don't say that. Like, we're not going to get to break even. Don't say that to an investor, right? So I think there's been a shift where if you can say, um, you know, actually we're building a sustainable business that's fueled by customer growth, not by venture capital, and you can back that out with numbers, you know, that is a fundamental shift. And that's, you know, that's a really positive thing. So you something that has gone from literally a negative is now at, you know, is now a positive attribute, right? Um, yeah. I think that investors are really valuing founders that understand cash management, right? Which a lot of us, I mean, myself included, when I started my business, actually didn't understand necessarily. And so now I think, you know, a CEO or a founding team that really understands 
um, you know, the business isn't just about building product. It isn't just about serving customers, but it is actually running a business, which is making sure that you're adequately capitalized, that the money going out is not more than the money coming in. And like, that sounds kind of, I mean, I say it tongue in cheek, but honestly, it's sometimes, you know, it's a comp, it's complex, especially for many of us who, you know, are not finance professionals, maybe you didn't go to business school, you don't have a lot of background in it, right? So yeah. just getting back to fundamentals of like, well, how do you operate a healthy business, whatever business it is, and understand, you know, that accounting is, is actually important. So we're having those conversations, like, do you actually need help in the management of your business, which is something that I don't think we were having conversations around the last few years. Yeah. So I love that question. How do you operate a healthy uh, company? It's just, it, again, it's, 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 I think it's a basic and fundamental question, but uh, that most people probably just aren't asking. It's just, just so much going on, right? Like you're, there's so many decisions to make, so many things to, or factors to consider. Um, but if we can take some time to just slow down and pause a bit and do some, you know, critical thinking and, and, and this will lead into some, some of my next questions, but somehow release some of the mental clutter that is just there given the circumstance, then, you know, all of a sudden, then these answers start to surface in, in a more intentional way. And we can actually make some decisions that um, ideally, you know, isn't, don't just help us survive, but actually thrive in, in this market condition. Yeah. Right. And the focus has all been about growth and innovation and all those things. And it's like, yes, you still need to grow. But if your base isn't healthy, right, if you don't have some of the fundamentals, then, you know, it's kind of like the leaky bucket, right, in a, in a sales yeah. process, right? You can sell all you want, but if like, you know, if people aren't converting, if customers aren't converting, you know, what's, what's the point? And so I think there was just a lot of leaky bucket businesses, right? Um, and so, which they were doing well. And so it was just like, let's just put more money at the top. Let's do, let's hire more people. Let's have more innovation. Um, and I think now we have to go back to some of the fundamentals. Like, do we have a base that makes sense? Do we have a model that makes sense? Do we have a foundational team that can execute this? And then we can incrementally layer on innovations, new business units, new, um, you know, new geographies of, uh, et cetera. So, yeah. Hello, everyone. I want to first thank you for listening to this limited series and let you know if you're looking for more insights and resources designed specifically for startups and scale-ups, we've got you covered. Head over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Now back to the show. When it comes to the minds of founders and and really, this is probably a question that's applicable at any point because it, it it is, I think, just by nature, a job that is is or comes with high stress or comes with um, just given the fact there's so many variables and so forth. And, and right back to the uncertainty, right? Uh, one of the things that you had mentioned in in the survey uh, that we were conducting was, you know, for a mentally fit founder, one of the the probably the most important characteristics is the ability to regulate fear and stress. So I'd love to just, you know, maybe expand on that a little bit from your perspective and then also just jump into maybe some of those uh, bright spots or those stories where you're seeing, you know, what good looks like in these cases and then how some founders are, are, are doing this in a way that seems to be healthy um, versus uh, other examples that may not have, have worked out well. Yeah. 
Um, you know, when I started investing, I actually thought my job was going to be, you know, helping founders, um, you know, with product and strategy and all those things. And what I quickly realized um, was that really my job was helping them get out of their own way and managing mm-hmm. um, more of the internal, which was a surprise to me because, like, I come from a family of my dad's a psychiatrist, and I had always been like, oh, you know, of like very avoidant of of you know talking about interpersonal things um, and really just focused on business. And so then it was like this, ha ha ha! Actually, everything is about human psychology, right? Um, And maybe I knew that as a founder, um, but I really felt it as an investor that so much of what started of like, okay, let's talk about your roadmap and your strategy and your product. Honestly, we would like, you know, with founders, I'd sit there and it'd be hours and hours really talking about what their blockers were. And those were interpersonal issues. They weren't about, you know, am I building on the right stack? Right. Um, so that was like a big learning for me as an investor of like, okay, how do I, you know, work with founders in a way that can kind of unlock something in them and really to be that kind of empathetic, um, you know, counterpart. Um, I'm not like a warm and fuzzy person. So that wasn't like, oh, do you know, tell me your feelings. There's a lot of like tough love involved, but I think the optimal word is there's love, right? There's, there's real yeah. kind of hearing and understanding um, and empathy. Well, sorry, Jenny, on that one, uh, sorry, I don't want to interrupt, but I just want to pause because that's super important because I'm seeing this come up so often that there's still a, a, a tough relationship with founder and investor because there is that cash link, right? So, you know, the word love or what's coming to mind for me is it seems like you're had the ability to create a safe place or space to be able to have these more vulnerable conversations. Like, can you share any of that? Because that's still, I still hear that often and, you know, more and more uh, today that those conversations are not being had because there is fear that, you know, that'll negatively impact the next raise or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think that, Part of that is just like developing a good relationship and part of it's that I'm just at the early stage. Right. And so because I'm often I'm, you know, usually the first check in, you know, I'm a I'm a true believer in the person. There's not a lot of product. There's a lot of not a lot of data. There's not a lot of um, customers. And so I'm believing in this person. And so I think I get to know people, understand who they are, and then I make my investment mostly based on what I think their potential is as a human and as a, a founder, right? Sure. So I think that the relationship starts pretty intimate and then, you know, can evolve from there. Um, you know, this idea of safe space, at the end of the day, I am representing or, you know, my fiduciary duty is to, you know, our fund, our limited partners who give us money, And so I'm always, you know, trying to, you know, make sure that we're doing what's in best interest of the business. But I don't think that that means um, you can't have a close kind of interpersonal relationship with the founder, because the idea is like, can we both as humans like work through challenges? Right. And so you don't tell me something and then I find out in a year, like, you know, or in, in a few months, it's like, that's, that's going to not really help either one of us. So I think, yeah. you know, we try to set, you know, the expectation early on that yes, we're your investor, but we've been in your shoes and, you know, hopefully, you know, we can help you um, or at least connect you to resources that help you um, as you go through these various challenges. Cause we've all been there as, um, totally. as well, and, and and just to speak bluntly, like as soon as the mind stops working, so does the business, right? So, I mean, it is linked. 
right? So if if we can, you know, it's never going to be perfect situations, but the more we can help um, our minds thrive, like across the board, I mean, it's a win-win for, for really anyone or everyone yeah. involved. Yeah. So I think so. just asking the probing questions, right? So if there's a founder and you know, you're talking about something around, you know, business strategy um, and you kind of are not understanding like, okay, well, why don't you think that we can expand in this product line or why don't you think we can launch in the UK? Like you got to just keep on digging. And a lot of it comes back to your original um, question, which is really around fear. Right. And so you got to keep digging with that person, understand, well, what is what's the blocker here? Like, are these actual first principle blockers or is this something emotional because you've had a bad experience there or because you don't feel like you have the right team? And so I feel like, you know, working with founders is like peeling the onion. Right. And you have to just yeah. keep on peeling and doesn't doesn't you know, don't worry if you start to cry or like, you know, the point is, like, it's not always going to be comfortable. Right. Um, there's going to be yeah. uncomfortable conversations. But my job is not to uh, you know, I don't believe my job is to make friends out there or, you know, for people to kind of love me. My job is to probe these founders for them to ask the hard questions of themselves. Yeah. So what? What do you see is is working out there? You know whether there's any kind of case studies with founders. What uh, could be practices? You know to help relieve some of that mental stress or uh, routines, rituals, and stuff like that that are working well. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a big year where um, teams that don't have good foundations are just going to see a lot of people leaving, right? Because they don't feel like, you know, that the the mission or the culture or they don't feel, you know, safe in their jobs. So, you know, there's this, um, actually, I think we have a post coming out today about, you know, um, within the fund, all, all the jobs and, you know, how that parallels with kind of this great resignation. But I think if you don't have a team that feels really motivated and, you know, going in the same direction, you're going to have a lot of problems. And so, um, yeah, some of the best teams we're seeing now are even in challenging times of there's not, you know, they don't know about their next fundraise. They're one being very transparent with their team, which I think is pretty unusual and kind of anti-corporate of like, okay, here's where we are. Um, and two, like we have to all come together in this moment. Um, you know, even if we're pivoting, even if, you know, things aren't going exactly how we are, how we want them to, but we need to come together as a team. And so I think it's very challenging, um, but the best leaders are going to really get through. And I think they're going to benefit because they're going to be able to attract more talent and ultimately attracting talent, attracting customers, they're going to be able to attract capital. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a, you know, all these things, a confluence of things, all these things are working together. Um, but I am seeing that teams that are just not cohesive, like they're losing people and they're losing um, momentum, right? So I have a, a company um, who is actually going through somewhat of a hard time. They need to raise money. They're, the business is doing well, but they kind of are getting caught in this, like, you know, if they'd raised last year, they would have been fine, but, you know, they need to raise less uh, now. And uh, they're doing a weekly call with investors, which is like pretty unusual, but like they want to be over communicative. And the first thing they always talk about on the call is, um, is the, um, you know, the, the morale of the team. First thing. Mm. So it's not the numbers. It's not, um, you know, were they able to close the bridge round? The first thing is company morale. How How is the pulse of the company? They have maybe 50 people. How are people feeling this week? 
Um, yeah. And I think that's really differentiated, right? To have a CEO who's so tuned in. I mean, this is a stressful time. May not be able to raise, like, you know, have to figure out their numbers in the business. But the first thing that um, he is reporting to his investors and obviously is is very concerned about is what's the morale? Because he knows once the morale drops, he's toast. Literally, yeah. people start leaving, they'll start checking out, and he'll never be able to meet his numbers, right? Yeah. So I think that takes a, um, a very kind of clued in, um, you know, founding team to really um, embrace that in a mode of panic. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, and so follow-up question to that. I mean, do you know any of the tactics or things that he's doing with the team to, to, to keep morale um, at a, at a good level or a healthy level? Well, I think just some of the things I talked about, you know, that he's doing with his investors, he's doing with his team, right? Transparency. So, sure. you know, a lot of over-communication, rather under-communication. Um, they're also getting people together in person more frequently. So they don't right. have an office culture, but they're making sure that pods of people are getting together um, and not, you know, it's not like extravagant, like, you know, let's, you know, fly to Jamaica. It's more like, yeah. can we on activity that are keeping people together. I mean, I think as we all know, so much gets lost in translation over, you know, quick Slack messages, emails, and you lose that human element. And so um, without having to kind of go back to traditional office culture, because now, you know, this team in particular is, is global and, and pretty distributed, how do you have those kind of touch points of humanity? And I think that's what everyone's trying to figure out. So he's doing a good job of saying, okay, we're all over the place. We can't necessarily all coalesce in you know, Chicago or wherever, but we can have pods of people kind of meet up to look each other in the eye and smile and talk through you know, strategy and stuff, which then translates to a better work environment. So I think those are some of the kind of basic stuff. It seems like the theme really at least what I'm hearing is, is is linked to overcommunication and with that removing a lot of the uncertainty, right? And like, because then, then we have less chance of our minds just looping with all of these different you know, narratives that are potentially based on, you know, uh, just made up stories, right? They're not facts, but we, we run all these assumptions. So the more we can communicate and provide some of the facts and the more you feel like you're in the know of what's happening, the, the less... Uh, you know, remuneration that hopefully takes place, which then just yeah. sparks a whole other stressful mental state. 100%. So, I mean, and I'm a yeah. huge offender here because I'm just like, I'm a multitasker. I'm like super fast with everything. I like, I'm on Slack all the time, quick, like one word answers. And then like, you know, I have to remember like, okay, like someone on the other side of that might not be interpreting it. And so, you know, let's make sure on our like weekly team call that we spend the first, you know, five or 10 minutes talking about, you know, what we did over Labor Day, which is not necessarily a comfortable place for me personally. I mean, that's not, it stretches my, I just like, let's just get it done. Let's just get like, that's my mentality. But I realize that's not great for building culture, right? So I think as a leader, you have to understand like that might not be your instinct, but that is actually the best thing to do to bring the team together. So, yeah. Based on what you're seeing right now, like Jenny, are there any areas of where you wish you could help more? Well, I mean, there is this kind of subset of founders, right? So again, if you would raise like, well, let's talk, let's talk about founders raising kind of series A's, B's and C's. Um, You had raised last year. Um, You're probably, as long as you're, you know, have good cash management skills and, and, you know, are are kind of um, aware of what's going on, um, you know, you're probably in good shape now. 
Um, there are businesses that are, you know, actually great businesses and they just, it's just timing, right? So maybe they raised early 2020 and they were planning to go out, you know, Q1. So now they've like, they didn't go out Q1 and they obviously didn't go out Q2 because things were really bad. Q3 was the summer. And so they're getting caught in, it, it just, yeah, that sucks. And so it's so heartbreaking for me because I'm completely helpless. I mean, I can introduce them to more people, but you know, it's, it's like this asset that everyone knows, like, oh, they're, they're going to run out low cash. We know when they raised and it's just, it's tragic to me because, um, you know, the businesses that aren't doing well, like it's sad, those people will be fine. They'll start new businesses, but there's some businesses that are great that need to exist right now. And if they had raised last year, it would have been different, but because they raised two and a half years ago, they're going to get caught. And, um, I just, I, it just, it just crushes me because there's absolutely nothing I can do. So, I mean, maybe, maybe so my question was like, is there like any guidance or are, are there any solutions or, you know, directions you can point uh, people that are listening that are in that place? Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of those companies will get through. I mean, I mentioned the one, um, you know, that that's, um, you know, that that's in that situation. Um, you know, you might have to get your team to be more lean. Um, and so, you know, doing that in a, in a really like humanistic way of, of figuring out how to have people go part time or, you know, so, so really increasing your burn is, is going to be important. Um, and then I think also just like not getting caught up in all of the kind of, um, hype of, of what's actually happening and like, okay, go out. If you need to raise in Q4, like build your investor pipeline list, make sure you're filling that funnel and just go out there because there are bright spots. You know, I have a, a company um, that just announced their, um, their series uh, B $63 million round had multiple term sheets, great valuation. I mean, Great companies are, are raising. And I think they could have gotten in their own way of like, we shouldn't go out to raise. Like they actually had a lot of money in the bank. And so they didn't really even need to. But they were just like, no, this is the right time. Our business is thriving. We have a good story. We're going to go to market. And so they did what seemed impossible, which was like raise this great Series B in the midst of this. So I think, you know, as founders, we also, again, need to manage our own fears and psychology. And if this is the right thing for your business and your business is doing well, then by all means, to like don't just, just tune out um, all of the, you know, the hyperbole in the, in the world yeah. and just like go, you know, go try to raise. I mean, the market will ultimately tell you, um, but, you know, give it a shot. Yeah. Well, take action, right? And yeah. then with, with, at least with that action, you know, uh, something will happen. Whether, yes. it's, whether it's the raise or whether it's insight or data and so forth and, you know, a, a forced moment to reflect and, and, and pivot, but something will happen. So valuable. Are there any, um, are there any questions that we're, that we're not asking our founders right now that we should be? And I'm speaking, you know, to the investment community. Yeah. I mean, I think um, I've had a few interesting um situations in my portfolio where uh, companies that were actually doing pretty well um, had, you know, term sheets um, were going to raise, but, you know, the raise was a little bit harder. And I have two in my portfolio and, and they both decided, you know what, I, I just don't want to do this right now. It's, it's just too hard. Mm -hmm. It's, it just doesn't feel right. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to sign the term sheet and I'm going to either pivot the business, sell the business or shut it down. 
shocking to me because I was like, wait, you have a term sheet. Let's do this. But I think maybe in reflection, like wasn't asking the right questions, you know, months ago, which was like, you know, are you, why are you running this business? Like, are you running this business because you're still passionate about the idea? These are both companies that have been around for a number of years. Like, are you still passionate about this? Is this what you get? Uh, Or are you running the business because you feel like you have an obligation, an obligation to me, to your investors, to your employees? So I think we need to be asking those questions to our founders. Do you still have that excitement um, every morning waking up? I mean, I remember when I was a founder, I would sometimes get depressed on Friday afternoon because I knew that no one was going to call me back on the weekend. Like I was on such an excited, like hungry build, build, build that the weekends like bum me out. I mean, that's like a, a crazy founder psychology. So I think we need to be asking our, our founders that have been at this for a while and maybe are hitting that four five year, six year grind. Is this it? Is this what you want to yeah. be doing? Um, and just yeah. have these hard conversations. Now, it doesn't mean that the company needs to shut down or, or whatnot. We've seen some interesting um, in our portfolio founder transitions into other roles. So those things can be healthy. But I think you don't necessarily have to wait till the founder is like so burned out and just can't do it anymore. Um, I think having those conversations earlier of like, hey, is this is this your vision? Like, does this make you happy? Is this your life's work still? It's such a big question, but at the same time, such a gift of a question to be able to to ask a founder, right? Because if you can just imagine the amount of pressure and stress that that could release if the answer is no, you know, it, it, this isn't it. And and to your point, like it may be something else or maybe some sort of a pivot, but just to be able to to to, to be pulled out of the essentially the autopilot of of the build and everything and whatnot. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm projecting here, but I think I think that could lead to some really great pivots, other companies and so forth versus your, I think, your point, like burnout and and just like running yourself into the ground and, and potentially the effect that has on on other people as well. Right. Yeah. And then I think as an investor, like it actually is your um, fiduciary duty to make sure that like the people running the company are the right people and that they're feeling healthy. And so when I get the answer of like, you know what, I don't know, then I'm thinking like twofold. Obviously I care about this person as a human, but I also care about the business and it's like, okay, let's figure out what a transition could be. What's a plan B what's maybe things aren't working because this person can't execute. And so I think we need to ask those questions before things blow up and make sure yeah. that you know, our leaders actually want to be leaders. And, you know, I, I've been asking that question more and more when I haven't, you know, caught up with someone for maybe like, you know, two months or so. I'm like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Are you still energized about this despite X, Y, and Z, like bad thing that may have happened? And sometimes I hear a pause and sometimes I hear, I don't know. Um, a lot of times I hear I am like super raring to go and, and that's very exciting, but you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And so yeah. um, I think just I'm spending more time asking that question um, and trying to kind of understand, um, you know, what the plan B is. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that that insight. I think that's really valuable for, for, for really anyone. And, and irrespective of what industry or, or, or job you have, I mean, I think it's just a good question in general. Like, are you, are you just as lit up now uh, about what you're doing as you were when you were first thinking about it or when you first started? Just a good check-in, pulse check, right? Um, last question for you, just around resources. Like, Are there any 
any good books, podcasts, or or sites, people you want to point others to that you know could be helpful in this time? Just uh, whether it's the mind, the business, but just general good. Let's just call it positive mental nutrition and strategy. <laughs> I mean, I feel like just getting out of the, you know, the tech world is like, is my release, right? And so, you know, I like, like to read fiction books on the weekend sometimes. And I think like, you know, we can get so into just having to be caught up with like all the news and the latest, you know, strategies around product led growth and all that stuff. And like, there's so many, there's so much content to consume. So um, yeah, I sometimes like to just, you know, check out from that. And, and I think that can be really healthy. So this summer I did a lot of more beach reading and, um, and yeah. that was <laughs> it's a good mental break for sure. Yeah. Do, do yeah. you have any other um, practices, Jenny, that are like non-negotiables for you? Um, in terms of what? Keeping your mind healthy, clear. Um, well, I'm a big exerciser. So um, yeah, for me, it's like, exhaust the body, quiet the mind. So that really helps me as well. So, um, you know, I know a lot of people say, well, they don't really have time with family and the gym and all these things. And so I like to build two for one. So I live in New York city. I always wear sneakers, kind of my signature look. You can find me at a cocktail party in sneakers and I walk everywhere. So miles and miles. Um, and I just put that into my travel time. Right. So I'll schedule a call and people will be like, it's kind of loud. I'm like, I know I'm walking through times square. Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I walk miles and miles and it's a big, um, stress reliever for me. And also it's fun and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. It's good on the health. So for people that say they don't have time, I just like say, just build it into, you know, your, your daily routine. Amazing. Well, thank you again, Jenny. You were a delight to speak with. Such a great energy. I'm happy you're out in this world helping founders and people, you know, bring their dreams to reality and keeping them as healthy as possible as they do that. We uh, we all win and we all benefit from that. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Excited um, for the show. Well, Thank you for sticking around for the entire episode. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And again, for more startup and scale-up resources, swing over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Have a stunning day.